Hello and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And I want to welcome you to our 100th episode. <laughs> you know, I saw that coming. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> I did. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I just, <laughs> I knew. I don't know if it'll be picked up or if I'll have to add it in and post, but... Yay! We've reached 100 episodes. How do you feel about it? I'm surprised. It doesn't feel like we've done 100 episodes. Yep. We've been doing this for just over two years. Oh, wow. And that's 100 episodes, because we've been pretty good. We have missed a couple of weeks, but we've been pretty good. Very consistent. About being consistent for our seven people who listen. We love you all very much. I'm sure there's more than seven people. (laughs) So this week, rather than recap a thing we talked a little bit and we decided that we are going to do some recasting recasting creative recasting as if you were casting agents we're basically playing a fun game that's all yeah that's what this episode is so that's what we're going to do before we get into it how was your week actually it was a very busy week i was doing a lot of writing and a lot of uh a lot of writing work for different things for our other podcast for this podcast um, yeah, it was just, I kept very busy. What about you? Tap, 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 tap. tap. I know. I decided uh-huh. that I wasn't doing enough writing, so I was going to do NaNoWriMo this Nano, year. Uh, could you explain for our listeners what NaNoWriMo yes, is? Yes, if you are unaware of what NaNoWriMo is, it is National Novel Writing Month. It's the month of November, and... The idea is to write 50,000 words in 30 days. That's 1,666.66 words per day. More than any written thing I've ever written, I think. 50,000 words is probably the length of my entire opuscula over the last 10 years. Oh, good. That doesn't make me nervous at all. So, well, but you also know that I write and rewrite and write and rewrite. You do. So. You've written yeah. those words many, many times. Yes. Way more than I'm getting that. better at it. Uh, so I am going to be working on, um, I think, a romancy book. Okay. A kissing book. Kissy, kissy, kissy. So kissy. today I started listening. If you guys are interested in NaNoWriMo or uh, listening to interesting people talk, I recommend a new podcast by uh, Friends of the Show, the people who brought you Unabashedly Obsessed and um, several other podcasts. I don't know who about? else. Oh, everything. Mostly oh. Stephen King and time travel. Okay. Um, so there were uh, some of the seven people who are listening. Yes. Okay. Well, maybe. I hope so. Hey, Aaron. Hey, James. Um, I don't know who else, but Rihanna Larson is in there. We um, met her at PodCon. And uh, I don't know who else is going to be in the group because I've only heard the first two episodes and that's who's been on them. Uh, it's called Wet Hot American Moon Juice. It started, I guess, as a typo, but it stuck, and it is a NaNoWriMo podcast. They're all taking part in NaNoWriMo and doing a podcast about it, because they, like me, don't know when to say when. Hot American Moon Juice. I think that sounds a lot like the movie that we just saw. Yeah, maybe. Yes, true. That. Uh, So I'm listening to that, and with that, I bought a book today about... Structuring romance books, uh-huh. which is great because I knew there was a skeleton and I didn't want to create it from whole cloth because I'm not bones. 
Uh, no, I am. <laughs> so I'm currently working on somebody writing the Bible for their television program. Oh yes, see there so, you go. Yes, that's all. It I is, wanted bones. bones. I wanted mm-hmm. put. I want to put the meat on, but I didn't right. want to do the bones from scratch. And here's the thing about my chosen format. Uh-huh. Romance is pretty much on wheels, so there are things that you have to hit. Romance for each is of them. very commercial. Yes. Too. It's mm-hmm. like science fiction. I remember when we worked it together at Cody's, which is where we met after you stole my pancakes. Um, uh, those were my pancakes. <laughs> those um, were my pancakes. Yeah, uh, so when we were asked to dissolve the store and return all the inventory, mm-hmm. the things that we knew were consistently sell, because we only could keep what was going to sell off the shelves, were mysteries, science fiction, mm-hmm. Romance novels. Quote unquote genre. Right. Right. They sold and they always sold. Yep. And it. Uh, and there's a set of classics. There's going to be quote unquote discouraging mm-hmm. is that even bad examples of fantasy, for instance, sold. Yeah. No, that's true. I want to make good, good, contemporary, open door romance. That's my plan. Let's see what happens. <laughs> so. Oh, you're um, going to be popular and I'm going to be very jealous. So that's what I'm working on. Mm-hmm. It's two day. It we're two days out from the thing starting. Okay. Uh, today I bought Scrivener and a book. <laughs> so I'm dollars into this project. So let's see if I can get some time and <laughs> words think, into this yeah. project. Uh, in the meantime, and how long is it going? It's just for one month. It's right? mo- it's one month. One month. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but hopefully at the end of it, you have something. Right. Well, that I mean, you can shape into saleable. Words, you have the beginning of something. Right. Okay. Right, right, right. Yeah. Something that you can then shape into saleable to pitch to sell. Right. Okay. That's the goal. That's the, That's goal. the ultimate goal. My first goal is to be writing more. And this seems like a good kickstart to do that. Plus, it's a way to not think about other things that are less than fun to think about right. in the world. Hi, world. You suck right now. Yes. So, so we do podcasts and we do Rimo. And this week on our podcast, we are recasting things from each of the seasons that we have done. So we start with probably our least meaty uh-huh. uh, set. Our season one, the way that we started this podcast was with Twin Peaks. Right. Now, Twin Peaks also just had a return wherein they did not recast, they just brought everyone back. So could we really recast the show? Maybe. I don't know. I think that it's so much a product of its time. That's very true. And so much a product of a particular personality. Yeah. That Only David Lynch could cast Twin Peaks to be When you mentioned this to me, it was very hard to try to think of how to recast it. Yeah. Because, for instance, Kyle MacLachlan does a very particular weird thing. That I really can't think of very many actors doing. Yeah, here's what I was able to come up with for Twin Peaks. I didn't. I had a whole list of names of people mm-hmm. that I would um, like to fill in, and I ended up doing the first name and the last name. So here are the only two, and this would be contemporary. This would be if we were casting it today in 2019 right. for Cooper, the gentleman who plays Jesus. In Walking Dead, Not and Jesus. also <laughs> stars in the new show Prodigal Son. Uh-huh. His name is Tom Payne. He's got this oddness about uh-huh. him uh, that I think he may be able to do 
the Cooper thing. But yeah, Kyle McLaughlin is very um, particular. He's, I think, I would almost feel like part of it was cast around him. Uh, Oh, yeah, I I feel like he was written into that role, or that role was written around him. Um, And then the other person that I kind of thought about was Leland Palmer, our, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, murderer. (laughs) Uh, And I would like to see Gary Cole in that role. I think Gary Cole would be very good in that role because... He can play sort of warm and fuzzy and also deeply crazy and unsettling. I felt that Jonathan Groff, who is the lead in, plays Holden Ford in Mindhunter. Yes, yeah. Is a person who also has a similar quality of just being a little bit off. Mm -hmm. And he can go full tilt because he played King George uh, in the original Broadway production of Hamilton, right. who is, well, syphilitic. So very, very mentally ill <laughs> in, in parts of it. So, uh, yeah, no, I love that. But he's a little young. Yeah, I, I don't know. So was, so was the comic line when he started. He, oh, you was, think for, for Cooper? Yeah. Oh, okay. I yeah. thought I was I was oh, thinking no, no, no. for I was, Leland Palmer. For Leland Palmer, I'm not sure exactly who I occupies think his Jonathan space. Groff would actually make a nice Cooper. I like that idea. Yeah, I I, I think because what you need is an actor who is comfortable being a little bit kooky. Yes, and also someone who can be forcibly innocent uh-huh. in a not off-putting way. Right. Like. You don't fully buy that Kyle McLaughlin is as innocent as he proclaims to be. Right. But you also can't really call him on it, because he, he might be. He might be that wide-eyed yeah. sort of... <laughs> uh, Who has bordering on supernatural intuition, and there is something other about him, and it's uh, also pretty high more. Although he might physically be hmm. too slight for the part. Yeah. I, I... Yeah, no. He's... And he's young still. Yeah, he is... Although he's older, I think, than we think he is. I think probably. he's like 27. Yeah. So he's probably old enough, but... Um, yeah, but no, Freddie Highmore has those a similar... Were two yeah. actors I could think of that had that kind of slightly twitchy weirdness. There's some actors who... You know who it. could have done it? Who? Anton Yelchin could have done yes, it. Yes, he could have. And that's... Another reason to be sad about what happened to Anton Yelchin. But yeah, there's a there's a you needed an actor who just has a strange. There are some actors who carry their own thing with them. Mm-hmm. Um, Donald Pleasance we talked about the other day. Yeah. When we were making a comparison between him and Michael Emerson. Yes. They have a similar kind of weird, twitchy, almost unblinking quality yeah. that you don't quite know where they're at, and they could be the good yeah. guy or they could be the really bad guy. Yeah. And you're never quite sure. And I think that for to preserve that quality of Cooper where you don't mm-hmm. know where he's coming from and he could very well be talking to a tape recorder and not speaking to anybody. Right, 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 um, right. Which other characters did you look at or were you sort of stuck on I Cooper? I was stymied because I felt okay. like a lot of the cast is carried by Laura, the story is carried by Laura Palmer. Okay. And that would need, that would be, I think, the most difficult job. Is casting a new Laura is Palmer? casting a new Laura Palmer. 
Mm. Because she carries the weight. Which is so funny a, because mostly she's a photograph. Right. But she's also the double. Yeah. You'd have to do the double comes as well. By. Yeah. And, and so that one was really strange because I kept thinking who you need somebody suitably interesting. And I think that probably one of the weaknesses of the first Twin Peaks was ha- her. Was her. Yeah. Actually, no, I would agree that with that. A, a, to make a person the center of this mystery, you didn't cast somebody who was intriguing enough. And, yeah, I was trying to put together a short list for Laura Palmer, and I couldn't really think of anybody who would be the right age. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the other thing, is a lot of people that I'm thinking of are in their 30s now. Right. And Because and, I don't know a lot of... I'm like, well, that girl that plays Betty on... Uh, on the new Archie show is mm-hmm. good, but I don't, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> but you really want somebody who looks perfectly innocent and isn't, and then you find out all these perverse things about them. I'd point you to Riverdale, wherein Betty is mm. that. <laughs> yeah, and it's a pity. You're it, never going to watch that show, and that, it's fine. <laughs> no, I'm not. I can't take it seriously. It's but fine. It's, again, all the actors I thought of were too old. Yeah. Karen yeah. Gillian, for instance. Yeah, Karen Gillan would be interesting in that. Because she could actually, do a really good job yeah. of looking like the girl next door and literally being a sweet... And then you realize, oh no, So what you is. need is a fresh face that we don't yeah, know. Yeah, and that's... The, and see, so... Here's the issue with the cast. Which is, which is a cop-out, but we don't care. <laughs> most of the cast is really the young people. Yeah. And then yeah. you have these sort of older characters yeah. that you can cast uh, around or, or you can do stuff with. What but. do you think about my Leland Palmer? I think it's actually a good idea. I think that he... I like Gary Cole a lot. Right. It is a little callbacky to his American Gothic role. Yeah. But I'm all right with that. And I've loved him in The Good Wife and The Good Fight. Like, the character that he plays is just like a good dude who's also a Republican. So, wow. Whoa. Look at you straddling the line. Right. All right. So, do you want to move on to our second yeah, season? Our second season. So, our second season was basically, was it like 12 films that I was like, these are classics that I haven't seen. We're right. going to watch them. <laughs> so, you wanted to discuss Midnight Cowboy. Right. And there's really two characters in right. Midnight it's, Cowboy, it's right? It's really the relationship between two characters. The, the problem is that that also is very much a story of its time. Yes. And so, for me... Watching the film with you again and seeing there were actual members of Andy Warhol's factory in that party, yeah, was kind of like, oh wow, yeah, oh wow, I did forgot that this was going on in this movie. Um, so that scene would change a lot. Right? The party would you want to? Would you set it? Would you? Are you going to set find it now? A, a contemporary equivalent. Okay. And that's why I thought of at the time that the film was made. Um, the year just escaped me right now. So sixty nine, sixty eight, something like that. You had this kid from the Midwest mm-hmm. who's coming out to play cowboy, and he's hyper-masculizing himself because right. of this incident that happened when he was younger. Yeah. So he's overdoing it, and he winds up falling into real despair. And let's, real quick, John Voight and Dustin Hoffman Dustin are Hoffman. the original right. characters that we're talking about. And so I thought, if we're going to do this story now, for instance, you might want to change the ethnicities of the characters. Mm-hmm. Because it was really representative. There was... Rizzo was a sort of Italian character who came from a particular generation of immigrants. Right. And he was entrenched in New York. He was as New York as you could get at the time. Okay, yeah. And then you have this kid from the Midwest, and their sort of rhythm hitting it off. When you talk about that, I think, I'm thinking maybe Puerto Rican for Rizzo? Well, that's what I thought. Oh, interesting. Okay. Immediately, I thought of Puerto Rican. I thought of an African-American kid instead of a white kid from the Midwest. 
And at first I thought of Michael B. Jordan. Okay. But then I also thought of Trevante Rhodes, who did such oh, a good job in Moonlight. Phenomenal. Because you're playing somebody, even in that role, mm-hmm. who's struggling with trying to understand their sexuality right. and their personhood. Yeah. And that's what John Voight did very, very well in that movie. Yeah. You could see this fear behind his eyes all the time. Mm-hmm. That he wasn't sure what is what it, what you know, did he what he yeah. was, you know, for those of you who weren't around for that podcast, he was gang raped by a group of men. Am I gay now? Is it what I have to fight that image. I have to be with right. women. Women want my loving and then he winds up being a gay hustler or gay for pay. Yes. As it was. Yeah. And so I thought of Trevante Rhodes and the sort of, when you're watching Moonlight, the kind of pain that he's expressing. And you could also just have him be a bisexual character. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you put that on a black character, mm-hmm. they've got there's ex- a lot of baggage. There's extra. There's yeah. a lot of baggage with that. Yeah. And that's what that would be really interesting. And yeah. then I thought for that the same way that you have this sort of entrenched culture of Italian Americans in New York, you could have this entrenched culture of Puerto Ricans. Puerto Ricans, right. Can you think of a Puerto Rican actor beyond... Um, Benicio del Toro, go older. Yeah. And he's this sort of broken down guy. And then I thought, okay, here's another dynamic. We're talking about these sort of crippled people. Here's a, a Javier Bardem was another choice. Yes. As an older man. And you and could then, do, we could do mm-hmm. a little bit of Latin for Latin right. trading. Yeah, which is <laughs> what I thought of. And this was, to me, I was like, that actually might work. Antonio Banderas. And this is an odd one because I well, remember Well, he's having, got a Philadelphia pedigree. I ha- yeah. I had this argument with someone uh, at work years ago. We were working together at Cody's. And she didn't get the Antonio Banderas thing. It's like, why is he doing comedy? And I was like, well, no, he was a comic actor. He was a comic. That was his, that was his In deal. In Spain, he mm-hmm. was a comic actor. And he was playing, you know, the sort of handsome nerd part a now lot. Now he's the Nason XB. <laughs> right. But, you know, and then he comes here and starts doing action movies and playing Zorro. It's like, that wasn't his thing at all. That That's why he it, yeah. kept working humor back into all, Spy Kids, all those parts. Yeah. He's doing action scenes and working a lot of humor. Because he's it. also working with directors who understand who he is right. and where he came from. Rather right. than just seeing his face yeah. and his body and going, this is what right. that's for. And so even when he appeared in, uh, there was Expendables 3 or 4, whichever one it ended oh, on. Oh, Lord. I think um, there were four of them. Mm, the, I don't know. <laughs> the fun part for me was watching Antonio Banderas and Wesley Snipes come back to do action roles. And Antonio Banderas, of course, went completely goofy with his action role. He's doing all sorts of goofy stuff and really being a hypermanic. But the idea of having a person with that much energy play someone who's physically unable to walk and to yep. move to sort of turn that same energy mm-hmm. inward. That seemed to me to be an interesting way of of addressing Rizzo. And uh an alternate to that would be like Leguizamo. Yeah. Yeah. You could. You absolutely could and he would be very New York. Yeah. He would really carry that image across. Yeah. So yeah. I was... like this. I like this. Yeah. What was yours? Um so I went with Pretty and Pink. But, I mean, here's the thing with Pretty in Pink. So I came up with, there are, there are six characters that I that I mushed, but also I'm changing the fucking movie. <laughs> okay, well, I just changed, you know, I, you know, I would change. I just changed the other film, so go ahead. No, I literally just watched a movie on Netflix that is Pretty in Pink. It's the exact. I mean, it's there's a ducky character right. who's played by a character from Grey's Anatomy, um, and it was fine. It right. was a. It was you it know was it was a, it was a rom com right. movie. It was fine, but I'm just right. like once again, 
Andy and Ducky need to end up together. And Ducky needs to be not gross. <laughs> yeah. So that's where I'm at. I'm going to start with um, uh, Haley Stanfield, mm-hmm. I think, is still young enough to play the Molly Ringwald character. And I think she's lovely and great. And different enough. And different enough. Yeah. She is kooky and odd. <laughs> she is kooky right. and odd, and I like that. Her dad is going to be John Goodman. Okay, I can see that. Um, John Goodman might be too old to be, play Haley Stanfield's dad, but he did the same role in Coyote Ugly, and I loved him right. for it. <laughs> like, so that's what I want. I want some John Goodman serving Coyote Ugly realness. Ducky. Here's how we fix Ducky. <laughs> we make him Tom Holland. Oh. Because Tom Holland is the greatest. He's the sweetest and the best. He's truly nice. He is Anthony Mackie doesn't think so. Amazing right. and wonderful. He also gives away the ending stuff of this movie because right. he's so excited or dumb. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> I don't think he's dumb. But I don't want him to be gross. I don't want him to pull the nice guy stuff. And I want him and Andy to end up together. That's where I'm at with this one. That would be an interesting Now, range. Iona, I'm casting Billy Porter. He's basically the fairy godmother, who is, and he's playing the fairy godmother in the new Cinderella. Mm-hmm. So it's perfect and great, and we love him, and he is going to be our Iona. We'll change the name. Or maybe we don't have to. <laughs> I'll, I'll let him decide. So, Steph, James Spader's character. Miles Teller is too old, but I'm still casting him because you need a punchable face, and Miles Teller has a punchable face. Does he not have a punchable face? I have so many actors have a punchable face to me, but yes, Miles Teller's up there. I really like Miles Teller a lot. I have a feeling that in real life he's problematic as fuck, Mm -hmm. Um, and he plays a smirky, smarmy asshole that I want to punch a a lot of the time. Really well, really well. And I think you have to cast Noah Centino as Blaine. Who maybe ends up with Miles Teller. Maybe Blaine and Steph end up together. I'm fine with that. You guys go kissy-kissy in the corner. I like this. I'm on board with this new thing that I just came up with. No one puts Miles in a corner. But Noah Centino is very much being pushed as the modern-day Andrew McCarthy. Uh Ask Netflix. Okay. He's also being a little bit pushed as the modern-day James Spader because he does some things where he's the asshole and some things where he's the nice guy. Uh, he's in a lot of... I think he's in, like, six rom-coms that are Netflix-centric. I don't know if he, like, studio-systemed with Netflix and now ha- has some sort of 40-picture deal with them or what's going on, but he is in all of their rom-coms. I'm here for it. He's adorable. Mop-topped. Uh, I just had to look him up because I was unaware of who he is. Yes, because you don't watch those movies with you. I watch them in my room uh-huh. where you don't have to be afflicted. Or, or, whereas <laughs> but you don't then. watch Godzilla with me. So. so that is my pretty in pink. Okay. My current pretty in pink. A color I can't even see, but I'll take your word for it that it exists. Yeah. So now we go to our third season uh-huh. and our third season we did um films by decade uh-huh. basically so each month we watched four movies that were released that month but in different decades a 78 and 88 and 98 and an 08 right. this was of course in 2018 so uh 
we've got a wide array of things. We tried to look at things that we both hadn't seen and that were culturally relevant. Okay. So we have a few uh, different options. You... Well, why don't you go first this time? I'm really curious about your choices. Okay. So I did with... I went with a deer hunter. So... Uh-huh. For anybody who doesn't know, The Deer Hunter is basically a movie about PTSD. It stars Chris Walken. He got him his first Academy Award and Robert De Niro. Uh, It's the last movie that, um, was his name Frank Cazale? Uh, Oh, God, I can't pronounce his name, but yes. (laughs) Or Cazale. It was his last film. Uh He's from The Godfather films. Fredo from The Godfather films. John Savage and Meryl Streep and George Zunza. He's got two Z's in his last name, and they both follow D's. It's very hard for me to say. So, I want to put women in this movie. I would set it now, and I would would have women in this movie. Would you make all the characters lead characters women, or you'd want more? I didn't. I did three Uh. women, two men, and I gender-swapped the Meryl Streep character. Okay. Okay, so um, one of the things that I really like about this new show, Stumptown, that uh, has premiered uh, a few weeks ago, is the uh, dealing with the main character's PTSD. And she shakes it off like you've seen guys in movies shake it off constantly. It's nothing, I'm fine. Uh, But you also see these flash, these combat flashbacks that she that hit her when she hears cars backfiring or loud sounds and things like this. And I like the way that they're handling it. And I would uh, like to see more of that being portrayed by both genders. It's interesting to me when women are held to the same suck-it-up tough-guy standards as men um, have historically been. And I hope that that leads to breaking it down for both both right. sides because you can't just suck it up. That's not how PTSD works. Uh, it will eat at you. Right. So people need to get the help that they need to get out now. Or bad shit happens. See, the deer hunter. So yeah, The deer hunter, actually, <laughs> I was really surprised by how much I really appreciated that movie and how hard it was at times to watch. It yeah. Was, it was it's difficult. It's pretty unflinching. Right. So, for the Michael character, the Robert De Niro character, I uh, would cast Ruby Rose. Ruby Rose. Ruby Rose. Oh, hi. I like her. So, she would be... So, Ruby Rose is my Michael, our main character. For the Stan character, who was largely like a clowny asshole, Uh I would like to see Ronda Rousey do it. Which is very funny. I like that idea. Because she's so serious. Okay, so here's the thing with Ronda Rousey. She's not a good actress, mm-hmm. but she's doing a run on 911 right now, and she's gotten an acting coach. It's clear because she's doing some of the best acting I've seen her do. She right. is growing as an actor, and I would like to see her be a goofball and kind of a dick. I would love to see her be a goofball. I, I sometimes and because this, she just this sounds so horribly serious. sexist, but on the risk of horror, you want to so, see her smile. I, I just no no. I just want to hug her. It's like oh. everything is going to be okay. Oh. We've met anybody who's seen martial arts or mixed martial arts for a while knows of her mom. Right. And her mom is kind of a terror. Oh yeah, horrible. And so I'm, and then you know her family life was pretty awful too. So yes, it's like it's one of those people who everything's going to be okay. Right. 
<laughs> she's a hundred percent drive, and I'd like to see her enjoy herself a little right. bit. And I think she could enjoy herself in that yeah. role. The John Savage character, Stephen, are the third of our group. Before we get to Chris Walken, uh, I want to see Dan Stevens in that role. I think he would be a good foil to the three women uh-huh. in the group, and I think he can do a lot of different things. Right. And honestly, I don't remember this character very well from the movie. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> For the Chris Walken character, uh, I put Michelle Rodriguez in there. Who's really, that's an interesting choice because you need somebody who can just do dead eyes, and she can. She can. She can totally do dead eyes, yeah. nothing inside. Yep. It's it's an interesting quality. And she can do deeply broken. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. She, she can do a lot of a lot of that. And so I would then gender swap the character that sort of comes between the De Niro and the Walken character. And mm-hmm. I would make I'd John Krasinski in it, not current John Krasinski as Jack Ryan, uh-huh. fucking office John Krasinski. Okay. The one that waited at home has a nice office jo- Like, yeah. n- so separate from the military aspect of all of these people's right. lives. The homebody, the small town boy, that's the character that I think yeah. this, this would require. Um, and maybe they both are like, no. <laughs> Maybe they both come back and they're like, new. <laughs> uh, and then for uh, the George Z- Zunza, mm-hmm. Zunza character, who's basically drunk comic relief. Right. We just watched a movie called Wounds, and there's a character in that that I... Which, by the way, is a very interesting film. Yeah. Not for everybody? No. No. No, no, no. no. But... I really enjoyed, well, as much as, it's hard to say you enjoy something in the film that by turns is that sadistic, but yes, I enjoyed it very much. Brad William Henke is his name, and he has been in a bunch of stuff, Orange is the New Black, and a bunch of other things. He'll actually come up later in our discussion. Okay, later. But I like his drunken mess that he did in Wounds, and I think that would translate well to this character as well. So. What did you do from season three? I now I would like to actually oh do you want to talk about somebody for oh, yeah. that uh-huh. lively for 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 Nick okay when I was watching I don't really know much about her history I was just really impressed with uh, her shark movie for some reason yes and also with mm-hmm. a simple favor where she played a yeah. person there's a scene that she plays I don't want to give anything away from the no movie, yeah be careful where she plays a character who is. An addict. Yes. Careful. And very dead-eyed. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And very other. And I thought... And this new movie that she's coming yeah, out she's in that's just similar. called Wigs, the movie, I think. Right. <laughs> right. She really movie. impressed me as a person who could do just what's going on back there. Is anything going back there? Right. Or is something going on mm-hmm. back there? And that film, for anybody who hasn't seen it, it's amazing. She There's a lot of cues from Sergio Leone and from French thrillers. Is a great film. A simple favor. I um, love it. But I also really yeah. love Anna Kendrick and will watch pretty right, much but, anything with her and in it. And she was great. Uh, yeah. But this was uh, Blake Lively's entrance who I didn't know before. Uh, that entrance was both a tip of the hat to Kurosawa 
and to Sergiglione, mm-hmm. and yeah. there's a lot of goofy stuff in there. Yeah. It's really fun. And it's a, it's beautiful. Oh, yeah. It's some and of, her clothes. I miss, oh. we were just watching a film last night, uh, The Uninvited. Which, and, from 1944, is very good, y'all. But There are 17 movies called The Uninvited, so yes, get it straight. 1944. <laughs> but something I liked about that film that I miss about classic filmmaking is how beautiful it was. Yeah. It's just gorgeous mm-hmm. to look at. And so A Simple Favor was a throwback to a movie where it's just beautiful. Beautiful, It's not yeah. overdone. It's composed in such a way that you're looking at it, it's like a painting. Yeah. But um, for the movie that I chose, there was a film that did not get a fair shot its first time around, which was The Eyes of Laura Mars. Okay. And I enjoyed the movie. Um, Who started I, in the, the first It was time. Tommy Lee Jones and Faye Dunaway. That's right. Faye Dunaway was supposed to, her part was supposed to be played by Barbara Streisand, which I don't understand. Well, that would have been wild. And John Carpenter, who wrote the screenplay, was really upset with what they did with it because he was writing basically a a giallo, like the Italian murder thriller, really intense murder thrillers like um, Argento and Bava had been doing. I think that doing the film more like that and taking away from maybe the Mm -hmm. star element because... I think that's what... Rather than just, let's look at Faye Dunaway for right. two hours or whatever. And, and she was, those cheekbones, you know, the, the <laughs> I I thought at first of having, because the other thing is that there was an, an element there that, where I felt that Tommy Jones and Faye Dunaway were just sort of too different at times mm-hmm. to mesh. Mm-hmm. And so I thought of Chris Pat and Jennifer Lawrence who are two people who have a sympathy already. They really get along really well yeah. with each other. And having two actors, and I remember seeing that but, film, but a really offensive movie. They did. Yeah, <laughs> Passengers. It? Passengers, which is a really problematic I film. ended up watching it, and I was so glad. Y'all, Relieved. if you have not seen Passengers, uh-huh. get it spoiled for you before you watch it, because if you don't, you will be upset. You need right. to know what the twist is. Because I think it's one of those twists that'll make you go, nah, fuck this movie, and turn it on. Right, and so in the case of that film, they somehow had enough chemistry to pull off this really unlikable story. I ended up watching the whole thing, because I was Uh like, well, if I can't, I will just turn it off. And I ended up watching the whole thing. Michael Sheen helps, uh because Michael Sheen is great in fucking everything, y'all. He's the best. But I really felt that those two managed to pull this off. This really complicated, it, it, easily, the, the, if somebody just read you the outline of, of the, the plot and the twist that it takes, it easily is like, what the hell am yeah, I Yeah, nah, fuck that dude, this? fuck everybody. Sorry, it's definitely him. That's the, I, I think, though, too, uh-huh. the fact that Chris Pratt is kind of... Like, I think he's kind of a dick in real life. Like, but in, like, a really specific way. See, uh, In I, this, uh-huh. I'm wearing my Christianity very loudly uh-huh. and in your face. And at the same time, I'm acting, or I'm involved in churches that are not very Christian. Like he's got some anti-LGBTQ stuff in his church. I'm not saying him. I'm right. saying his church. And his response was, I came here as a divorcee and they, they've loved me and da 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 And I'm like, that's See, not the I, same. I don't do that because <laughs> that's like a person's politics. I don't know what made that person the way that they were. That's fine. But, but I think that that helps him in a way right. where you're like, yeah, I could see him doing some fucked up shit, but also he's very charming. 
But yeah, and in the point of passenger, in, he does some really you fucked know, up shit. Spoiler shows. alert for Avengers and. Uh, Infinity War. He's the fucking villain. But the, he does do that. <laughs> but in what I liked about Passengers is that he doesn't necessarily get off the. He, he doesn't pay he for. He knows it. he's right. done something, something terrible. And you can see in this character's face yep. the guilt and the shame that yep. he's carrying it with. And he went. He fucking for a year. He fought the the urge to do it. Right. So, but yeah. it's not that there's well, any I'm sympathy. Just spoiling for him. the hell out of this movie right. by fucking death by a thousand spoils. You should spoils. know. You should know that yeah. going into it because if not, it's a really unpleasant surprise. But I think the fact that they had enough chemistry to carry off this really problematic love story mm-hmm. that they actually could do a job Maybe. where they felt sympathetic. And I can see Jennifer Lawrence doing a part where she has this sort of. Ability, yeah, for sure. I think that mother wanted us to right be- make that make us believe that about her. And I think it's better here. And other, if it wasn't for her, if it wasn't for casting it as a couple, I would say Olivia Cook or Cara Devine. Oh, Delavine. Delavine. I'm yeah. sorry. I call her Delavine. I was going to. I think Cara Delavine is very good. She was in this she was in new the fairy, uh, the, fairy show. Right, yes, fairy on show. on Amazon. <laughs> That I really enjoyed. It's yeah, got some problematic things to it, but I I like watching but she Victorian also, era things. I don't so. know if just the visual of somebody because part of what sold the eyes of Laura Mars was Faye Dunaway's remarkably structured face. Yes, yes, and the eyes of both of those actresses are definitely things we could get lost in right. for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that if you are casting someone like Cara Delevingne, right? That you could even make the uh, gender swap for the male character in this, and story. have it be two women, right? And have for it sure. Be two women. I think the 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 idea that because as we as anybody who watched the film or who listened to our podcast or somebody says, non-binary would actually right. work well too if we're talking about in the fashion world, right? But that would we, make the, sense. The killer in this story, <laughs> of course, we have to get somebody, and that's why I thought of Chris Pratt because it's somebody who can be. Likeable and then other because you discover at the end of it that yeah you know, the guy the likable guy is not is not who you think he is right so that having somebody who can carry that element that would work pretty well yeah anyhow so what was your choice for the next season so well the next season is not a choice the next season is Battlestar Galactica oh yes Battlestar Galactica so I I did everybody except one person. Well, not everybody. Okay. And I did this in a really heteronormative way. I basically made couples. And that's how I decided Uh to sort of think about it. This would be, you know, I guess if we're doing... They're doing it again. So if we were doing the same thing again. The third take on Battlestar Galactica. The third take on Battlestar Galactica. And it would be... And it is people now. Mm -hmm. So... We'll start with Admiral Adama and President Roslyn. Um, Tony Todd and Julian Anderson. That's an interesting choice. Yeah. I think Tony Todd needs to be in more things. I don't know if it's his choice that he is not in more things, Uh but that voice needs to command more shit. Right. (laughs) Like, his voice is so good. And, you know, if he doesn't work anymore, then that's a bummer. But I like him. And then Uh I would like to see Julian Anderson as a little bit more assertive President Roslyn. At the same time, she has to, part of the job is to be kind of fragile, too. 
you know, yeah. in her private moments. Illness. And I think that'll work. I, yeah. I want her fragility to come from her physical oh, yeah. self physical and not illness, from... Right. And not from not knowing if know she's okay the, for the job. I think that the way that President Rosalind becomes President Rosalind yeah. is a, is guaranteed to make a person insecure or give them imposter syndrome. So I think that, yeah, Gillian, Maybe, it would be interesting or, to see her carry, carry yeah. that. Because I think she certainly has a range to do of it. Of course she, she does, just, yeah. She's never hired to play that part. No, You're and lately playing, she's been a badass. Right. You haven't watched The Fall yet. She's a badass in that show. But, I mean, that's what you cast her for. You don't right. cast Jodie Foster to be, you know, a, a wallflower. You don't cast... There are some people who just have too much personality. Right. You know, you couldn't cast Linda Hamilton in that part. No. Instance. No. <laughs> Although Linda Hamilton would make it interesting. Maybe that's who my Colonel Ty should be. Because right. that was the one person I couldn't do. So following down, I swapped gender for Lee. Uh-huh. And I uh, was thinking the woman, her name is Jodie Turner-Smith. She's the woman, she's Queen in Queen and Slim, uh, which is an upcoming film that's trailer whose trailer makes me cry every time we watch it. And the I trailer makes you cry. I cannot wait to see it. It looks so oh. good. But she looks amazing. And I feel like it says that that is introducing her, uh-huh. but I feel like she's been in other things. I haven't. I didn't look her up. I should have looked her up. I'm looking her up now. She's a model and actress. Oh, that's obvious from. The oh, theater. she was in that Nightfire show. Okay. I knew she was familiar. I'm still. I'm. I'm doubling down on what I was saying. This okay. must be her first um, starring thing. So, she. Sorry, she's dating Joshua Jackson, and that was shocking to me. All right. Because he is. Way older than she is. Would you like a moment? Um, no, I'm fine. So, but I want to keep Starbuck. Now don't judge. <laughs> I want to keep Starbuck a woman. And I still want Starbuck to be have been involved in Dead Brother, involved with Dead Brother and Lee. Thank I you. like this. I like this. And I, Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey Plaza for Starbucks. I will watch Aubrey Plaza, like, <laughs> brush her teeth. <laughs> that, right. That's how much I like her. I love her. And I think that she can do more than, I mean, Legion has shown us that she can do she more can than. She can do just about anything. Yeah. It's crazy. So I think that that would be. Uh, a very cool thing. Plus, I kind of like her size. Like, I kind of like the idea of Starbuck being a badass and mm. also very small. Right. And I also think that in the future, if we're in space, yeah. it, it's not the future. I know, guys, I get very confused with Battlestar Galactic timeline. If you're in space, we're going to be smaller. Right. Your rations, you're eating less. Yeah. The gravity fucks up your whole situation. I feel like everybody well, would that's be That's something that uh, recently having to work with another writer about science fiction and mm-hmm. space travel was something that we had to cover. It's like, no, space travel tend to be smaller people. They tend to be very fit. Yeah. You have to be. Yeah. Because you can't... You can't fit in these things. You can't, right. They make things but more small. But the, also the physical... Uh, one of the things I appreciate about 2001 is the scenes of the astronauts exercising all the time. Yeah. Because the effects of zero gravity on yeah, a human your body muscles, are really right. deleterious. But, right, right, right. But yeah, that's an interesting choice. So like those it. are my those are my Lee and Starbuck. Next, uh, my next couple is Baltar and Number Six. Now, here's the thing about Baltar. I hate that character. 
And the okay. only person that I can make, I can think of as being in that character and me not wanting to jettison from the show entirely is Tom Hiddleston. I think he could do it in a way that I would actually find charming instead of just like, ew, you're literally masturbating all of the time. Right. It's gross. Sir, it's disgusting. <laughs> and I would maybe keep that down a little bit. And for number six, I really think. Number six has to be the best-looking human being that you could think of. And for me, right now, it's Rihanna. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my; those are my Baltar number six. Mm-hmm. And finally, Hilo and Boomer. Uh, Tessa Thompson is Boomer. Mm. And Brian T., who is a Korean-American actor, who is very buff and has been on all of the medical shows. He stars on um, Chicago Med at the moment Okay, as Hilo. That's interesting. That's an interesting choice. I actually don't disagree with any of your choices. I would really want to get rid of Baltar altogether and find some other way to explore that because mm-hmm. it it's just... It's deeply unsettling. It, is, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense as we kept arguing, not with each other, but about the show. Right. That this person, this habitual masturbator who's constantly falling asleep, mm. is entrusted with so much, responsibility, so much responsibility, and no one ever says, "Why the hell do I walk every time I walk into a room? Your pants are down." Yeah. Why is it that you're constantly falling asleep and staring off into space yeah. all the time? Like, the fate of the human race is left in the hands of an, you know, I don't know, a pervert is yeah. what he looks to be from the outside. But really what I'm saying is we don't need any more Battlestar Galactica, y'all. I don't even think I'm going to watch I, the I end think... of the show. I know everybody says it's so good, but I'm not seeing it. And then I did a thing where I read one of those BuzzFeed click articles of the 50 saddest deaths or something, uh-huh. or most shocking character deaths, knowing I was going to spoil some things for myself, right. and one of the things I spoiled for myself was one of the deaths in that show, and that was Duala, who kills herself when Earth is a shit show when they get there, and I'm like, fuck this show. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't, like, just knowing that is coming in four seasons, I'm like, nah, nope. And also, does Balthazar stop sticking his dick in everything? Because, yuck. Yeah, his, his, I, I really feel like his character was, is not something that you could basically write anymore. Yeah. I think we've turned a corner with that. Mm-hmm. And so the kind of frat boy humor that was him constantly being caught with his pants down and everyone are, is okay with it, it doesn't make any sense. It just sort of makes the entire... Everyone on the, 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 the battle star looks stupid. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, now we are to season five, and season five is Stephen King. Stephen King on screen. So we're going to talk about a couple of different things. Oh. Now, did, what did you tackle? Misery. Okay. I, no, I, I mentioned Misery, but I really was curious about the dark half. But... Oh, okay. Oh, the dark half. Okay, uh-huh. great. So let me start, because we'll do it chronologically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're going to end with some talk about The Stand, which is currently shooting in Vancouver right. with a new cast. And I'm not going to say anything about that. Okay. I mean, I, I, we will, but like, I, I, don't, I don't like making judgments about casting until I've seen the, sh- the thing. Right. Because a lot of times, I mean, we go back always to Heath Ledger. Everybody yeah. said it was going to be a fucking ridiculous thing, and then he was spectacular. Right. 
So I don't begrudge casting. Let me watch what they've done. They cast them for a reason. We Mm. didn't see the auditions. We didn't see the people working together. We didn't see any of that. And I don't mind, as this entire episode has indicated, if the character description in the book and the person I'm looking at are different. Except in some cases, and I'll actually get into that with the stand. Um, But So I did The Shining, four characters. We're looking at Jack Torrance, Wendy Torrance, Danny Torrance, and Dick Halloran, okay? Mm -hmm. And I switched them significantly from the quote-unquote written page. Well, not quote-unquote, the written page. (laughs) I, I switched them significantly. Well, I switched one of them significantly, and that's Jack. I think Sterling K. Brown would be amazing. Mm. Amazing. I think he's so good. Also, he's in everything, so it's not like we have any avails at this at this time, but I think that would be a cool update. Because here's the thing. I'm kind of done watching angsty white dudes. <laughs> like, I am done. <laughs> so you want the angsty black dude. I want an angsty black dude. Plus... Like I said, he's so He's very good. good. He does the same thing that Giancarlo Esposito used to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think of the other actor um, whose name escapes me right now, who is really good at just tightly wound. Yes. To the point of, you know, you can mm-hmm. hear every... His character in This Is Us uh-huh. uh, suffers anxiety and a panic disorder. Um mm-hmm. I've only seen the first season, y'all, so if it's more than that or less than that, let me know. But I have not watched it. But he definitely has panic attacks and stuff. Um, and may have manic episodes. And I think that that... Courtney B. Vance is the actor in Oh, yes. Who also was Courtney very Vance. good yeah. at being very tightly wound. Mm-hmm. And very... Yeah, he did a, a really... A good job of playing this person who's barely suppressing their rhythm. right, like he's just walking on a very fine yeah. tightrope. For Wendy Torrance, I did actually go back towards the the Stephen King blonde right. with Rada Mitchell, uh, who isn't in enough stuff. No, she's not. But if you've seen Silent Hill, this is where I'm thinking. This is what I'm thinking. Um, and as a, also from Silent Hill, as a person who would do anything to protect their child, right. which I think is what you need out of a Wendy, right? Yeah. So I think, yeah, steely fragility is important for Wendy, and I think Rada, Rada Mitchell could do that. She's a little older than Sterling K. Brown is. Like uh-huh. The actress herself, I think, is four years older than him. It's fine. It's fine, y'all. We can do that. Good Lord. <laughs> um, for Danny Torrance, I wanted to be a little girl. And I don't have a little girl in mind because she'd have to be six or seven. Right. So I don't know a six or seven-year-old mixed-race little girl. I'm thinking the picture in my head is Quivangene Wallace from uh-huh. Beasts of the Southern Wild right. with that crazy hair. Yeah. I also picture, like, Riley and Huey <laughs> from the Boondocks. You just want a natural. I know they're little boys. I want a natural. Right. Yes, okay. I do. I want this little girl to have the best hair you've ever seen. You know what I'm talking about. Right. So that I, I would like a little a Danny D A N I. 
on Torrance if we have to keep the name. And for Dick Halloran, you know this woman. She's the voice. She's the Persian voice. Oh, that would be an interesting choice. Shora Agdashlu. Uh-huh. I, if I messed up her name, I am so sorry. She is a Persian woman with the smokiest, most sensual voice. Y'all know her. She's been in everything. everything. I think that would be a cool Dick Halloran. Right. As much as I love Skyman. Which is funny, because I was just watching... <laughs> I've been doing... And the... And the unapologetic blackness of Scatman Brothers in the original Shining. But here's the thing. Stephen King does rely on a magical Negro to the detriment of black people. (laughs) So to make that, I mean, she's still, I mean, quote unquote foreign. Uh So there's still a bit of an othering there. But I think her, just listening to her tell Danny, like, just talk to Danny, yeah. I think would be amazing. What I was going to, I actually do a lot of, one of the things I have fun doing is going on YouTube and finding all these films that, when I was a film student, were supposed to have been extinct. There's okay. no existing prints. There's no, I'm right. finding every horror film made in the 70s. Right. Somebody and, has saved it onto right. a VHS and then burned it onto YouTube at some point. Yeah. yeah, and you can find a lot of it on YouTube, on Vimeo, on uh, Daily Motion or whatever else. And I found a, a 70s horror film that was made in, in New Orleans. It's, a, it's almost like a dry run for Skeleton Key. I was going to say, sorry, like Skeleton Key. exact same plot, except New Orleans. Mm. It's okay. called Mirrors. One of the things and bringing up Scatman Crothers that's so distinctive is that there is at one point uh, the lead character, this woman and her husband are taking a carriage ride through New Orleans and they have a a, uh, driver, cab driver, a horse and buggy, I guess. Right. And she starts talking to the driver and he turns over his shoulder and for whatever reason, they've dubbed Scatman Crothers' voice. Oh, no. Because I think a lot of the movie was ADR. Okay. Because a lot of it was shot outdoors. And it's so plainly Scatman Crothers that you're like, wow. And you're like, that's not his face. <laughs> that's, but you, you're thinking that's how distinctive a performer he was, that you can recognize his voice his voice into another guy's mouth yeah. in another film. Um, when I was, I just want to touch very briefly on this. We talked about Misery. Mm-hmm. And I have, um, I have feelings about the casting of the actual movie. Oh, the original movie. The original movie. Yes. The, uh, both? Or just James Caan? Just James Caan. Yeah, James Caan was a weird choice to me. It felt like fifth choice. Right. Like they were like, I mean. It was very far (laughs) back on the line because they started with Harrison Ford and with a lot of other actors, which Harrison Ford would have been an interesting choice. It would have been, yeah, at that point. I really like. Oh, um, Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates, yeah. I really like Kathy Bates, but if you had paired her with either William Hurt, who turned the part down twice. That would have been amazing. Or Harrison Ford. And I, I yeah. very unkindly in my notes put, why don't you cast Somebody... the author as someone who looks like he's read a book. Um, and oh, James Conn comes across as very kind of, he does this sort of street he brando shtick oh, a lot. He just doesn't seem educated. He's also just, not like I feel like that character should be better looking. Some, I'm sorry, that is know. uncharitable right. on my behalf. But I do think that it should be a handsome I, man, I, I and he doesn't strike maybe it's me as I've that. I've just seen James Conn do the James Conn stick for such a so long, long time, time yeah. and I, I think 
to a certain extent, Jack Nicholson, I feel that way about, although he had a wider range back in the day. James Conn's always done the James Conn thing. Yeah. And Jack Nicholson, at least when you see Cuckoo's Nest and some of these other movies, he yeah. really did some other stuff. Yeah. But I like the casting of the pair in the stage play, Bruce Willis and Laurie Metcalf. That is an interesting Bruce Willis thing. can play a working class guy that you can imagine writing a book the same way that you can imagine someone like um, Jack Kerouac. As yeah. being a guy who basically does sure. tough guy poetry, right? That kind of thing. I and Laurie Metcalf can do anything. Bruce Willis, especially in The Sixth Sense, he really pulled off this kind yeah. of guy who you could tell had a... Yeah, but I'm kind of done with giving him work because he's apparently a real asshole. But so at just... the same time, though, he and Laurie Metcalf were good choices. Yeah. I would like to see Lizzie Kaplan do it. If we're going to do it again, doing anything, I would I'd She's like great. Kaplan. She's... Y'all, she's fantastic as, uh-huh. as this character now. Yeah. In the Newcastle Rock season. Right. She's, she's amazing. She's, she's really studied what Kathy Bates did uh-huh. and sometimes sounds just like her right. without doing a caricature. She's definitely doing her own thing. Right. But they do feel of a piece. Yeah, I think that Lizzie Kaplan is a beautiful woman. And she very easily falls into the Zoe Deschanel school of giant, yeah. ange- giant-eyed ingenue actresses. Um, and she really distinguishes herself by just taking away all the suppleness from her movement and giving this very rigid-spined yeah. arms and almost thrust to the jerky. sides. Like, right. There's no grace to her movement. No. Yeah. And this is not the same person that you'd seen in other films. It's very different. Yeah. And so I really... I. I applaud her for, you know, I've always liked her, but I really applaud her for doing this because it completely breaks down that image and gives something different. And But what I would have brought up is if we were going to do a film, an older version of this film, if I was going to replace Kathy Bates. as At, at the uh, older at, age. I yeah. think I would choose Imelda Staunton. Well, she basically played that character well, in Harry Potter. Right. Yeah. She, you know, Doris Umbridge. Mm-hmm. And she does such a great job of playing someone who's just sugary on the outside and sweet and yeah. then horribly raw. Yeah. There. And I can see her eating that part up too. She yeah. might be a little bit more uh, emotive. And, and then you sure. wanted to I talk about the dark, the dark half. half. Now are you just doing... I'm just going to do the main the guy. Main, yeah. I think that Timothy Hutton was really, really good because as we talked about when we reviewed the film, he does this physically awkward goofy guy who doesn't know where his parameters end, and then this other character, the machine, yeah, who doesn't move without purpose. Yeah. Everything he does, has a, he has a knack for violence, too. I would have said, uh, there's two choices I made. Alexander Skarsgård. He is who can do clumsy also about to come because up. he's very tall. He is very tall. And he plays weird angles with his body, and mm. yet he can do Tarzan. Yeah. And plays someone who's just fantastically in tune with her physical well, and, body. And his character in True Blood. In True Blood, he did that too. Yeah. Just a person who's very aware of where they are in space and a person who just knocks into things and, you know. Also, his face. Uh-huh. You didn't see, I can't, I want to call it Pretty Little Lies. That's not what it's called. Oh, okay. Big Little Lies. Mm-hmm. If you ask me what Alexander Skarsgård look, looks like right. when he was only in True Blood... I would tell you one thing. And now that I've seen him in Big Little Lies, in he was in that movie, that teenage movie, that Edge of Seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, his 
face is different than you think it yeah. is. Like, in different angles, his face changes a lot. There was a season, one of the endless seasons of True Blood, <laughs> where his character loses all of his memory. Yes. And becomes this sort of innocent. And yes. there was very much a childlike element to his face and his sort of staring at things very innocent. And it, it uh, when he but loses like, his memory. Dead on, his right. face is like perfectly symmetrical and right. very attractive. From a slight angle, everything is sort of off. Uh-huh. It's real, and it changes the whole his whole thing. Right, it's very weird. So yeah, he can do a lot of different things, and because he changes so much, just by tilts of his head, and I feel like he's a person who has spent a lot of time looking in a mirror right. and knows what those angles are because it's yeah. his job. I'm not saying he's, you know, vain, vain. or whatever. Um, uh, I think that that would be, he would be really good. You know who else might be really good? Who? I can only think of him right now as fucking Homecoming King or Prom King. Uh, Patrick Wilson? Oh, yes. Patrick Wilson could do it. Patrick Wilson certainly could. The other person I thought of was Chris Pine. Yeah, I, just saw, I haven't seen um, him go full bad. I Am the Night. Yes. Where he plays an alcoholic mm-hmm. reporter who's kind of... Uh, and it's a really interesting program. Just be warned going into it. It's oh, yeah. not pleasant at all. Nope. It's a deep dive into wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah there's wrong and there's wrong and there's that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One of my favorite lines. Spoken by Bruce Willis. Funny mm-hmm. enough. But uh, he does a great job in that of playing somebody who's burning at both ends and mm-hmm. in the middle at the same time. Yeah. And I think that he could play the tortured part of the character. And also, I would like to see him do this sort of the evil. Because the machine character is just id. Alexis yeah. Machine. He's, he's Yeah, and I haven't seen yeah. that from Chris Pine. I'm... And I, I would be I know interested that he's certainly capable of it. To see it from him. I think he's very good. Yeah. I think he's very good. Okay. Now we're gonna do so next week on the app on the show, uh-huh. we're watching the stand. We're starting with part one. We're gonna part do it one. in four episodes. Four episodes. It's very long and there are long. a lot of people in it. Don't cry, it's over. I'm sorry. So okay. we'll I can, start I can never with hear Don't Fear the song. Reaper. Ever. That's how it opens. Yeah. I love that song. I love that song too. And I largely because of this miniseries. So y'all, I am a I know that the miniseries is not good. Uh There's a literal hand of God that comes out of the sky. That's bad, y'all. That's not a that's not good writing. Uh It's not good filmmaking. I fucking love this miniseries deeply. It's a literal deus ex machina. The, the, so, yes. <laughs> actually, there is. Yeah, no, it's not. And, and it's a big hand. It's, it's, not, a, it's, it's just It's weird. terrible. Um, but I would disagree that it's bad. I think it's actually really, really good at times. And then other times it's, it's almost as if... It's inconsistent. There we go. <laughs> so, and I love a lot of the original cast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like It. I think in that respect. I think so too. Yes, I think that that's right. So they're also right now filming a stand miniseries for CBS All Access in Vancouver. Uh-huh. Like today. They are doing it right now. Okay. Um, 
And so that, that cast has been set. So we're not going to fully recast, but let's talk a little bit about then and now. Um, and we won't spend a lot of time, like I said, because we're, we haven't really gotten into these characters yet. We won't until next week. Mm. But there are certain things that I wanted to talk about very quickly. Right. And I'll start with Mother Abigail. Mother Abigail originally was played by Ruby Dee. Mm-hmm. And there is an element of, I don't like to say this this way, but it's it's accurate. There's an element of racism to the Mother Abigail character. So the only old black people that Stephen King had ever seen in his life were the Mammy characters. Right. Okay. That's not what old age in blackness looks like today. It's not this withered, walnut-looking Well, she's supposed woman. to be how old? She's 108. Right. <laughs> she's 108. I, I'm just, I'm remembering, I was working at a public school when this time was on television. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, a, it's a school, it's right across the street from where we live right now. And the, uh, it was predominantly African-American and some uh, Southeast Asian, but I remember all the black kids talking to me one day and they were just shaking their heads about the stand and like mm. why it's like because there's only one black person left in the world and then she dies there's <laughs> like, two black people because judge Par- ferris is right. in it played by not ozzy smith ozzy davis ozzy davis yeah played by ozzy davis um he i don't think makes it though <laughs> right it's just like all die. the black people in the world i die. think that's right so yes we yes the stand needs more more, more people of people. color mm. it needs more asian people it needs more latin people right. it needs more black people Stephen King is a white man, and so he writes white people. (laughs) It's not ideal. So, but here's what we do. So what they've done to sort of try and rectify this in the new one is they've cast Whoopi Goldberg. Uh And she's got some white locks. Uh I'm on board with the white locks. I want that to be Angela Bassett. I think Angela Bassett could do it. I I think she'd be a bad... Give me the storm that I deserved in the first place and make Mother Abigail... Angela Bassett. Or if I can make it Cicely Tyson, she's almost 108 anyways. 94 years old. She's almost there. She could do it. And she looks spectacular. (laughs) So Cicely Tyson, if you want an age, but uh, give me an Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett. I want an Angela Bassett. I don't know if my prophets need to be that sexy. I, I don't know about that. Tom Cullen is a character... Near and dear to my heart, right. for he loves the moon, and I love the moon. I, Bill, uh, what is it, Fagabaki? How do you pronounce his name? Bill. Um, he was in, was it Coach? Yeah, he was. And he was also, he was Jason Siegel's dad in How I Met Your Mother. Okay. Very effectively. He's also Patrick from SpongeBob SquarePants. He embodies the character to me. So it was very hard for right. me to be like, who I can't is it going to be? Else. They have cast Brad William Henke, Eric from Wounds, as this character in the okay. new one. Huh. I would have liked to see, um, oh, what's his name? Cameron Britton. Cameron Britton is the very large man from Manhunter who okay. plays Ed 
the co-ed killer. He's also in Umbrella Academy. Uh, I feel like you need somebody of that size. Um, Brad is a bigger dude, but he's not particularly tall. And I always just picture Tom Cullen being like this moon-sized man, like this big dude. For Nick Andros, I fucking love Rob Lowe's performance in Uh The Stand. But let's get a deaf actor. If you want him to be as pretty as Rob Lowe was in 1994, there's a, a... actor model named Niall. Uh, he was in Boys in the House. Uh, <laughs> he was a top model okay. contestant. Uh, he's actually deaf. So I like the idea of putting an actually deaf person in the role of an actually deaf person. I don't believe that they have done that. Let me see. No, he's supposed to speak at some point though, right? At night, in his dream, in his yeah, own dream. Which I... Niall, I think, can speak. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, it's not necessarily... Or you could... Yet. Exactly. Yeah, you could dub it. Right. Henry Zaga is who they have in the role of the new one. As far as I see, he is not... He's of Brazilian descent. His real name, his birth name is very long and beautiful, <laughs> and I'm not even going to try it. So he's best. also in that new Mutants movie that I really want to watch, but never will get to. I will never get to see it. Those were some of my thoughts for people on the good side. Oh, I think Gina Rodriguez would make a very good Franny. Uh, we'd have to change her name from Goldsmith. Uh, but she has that sort of bright-eyed optimism that I think is important uh, for... It's an interesting casting choice, yeah. That uh, the young woman who's been cast is... uh, Her name is Odessa Young, and I don't have any familiarity with her. So then let's go to the bad side. The Eves, the evils, evils. I don't have a Randall flag. I actually really like what Jamie brought to the character. He's not what a lot of people pictured, uh, Jamie Sheridan. And I get that. I mean, I think I honestly really loved the casting of Matthew McConaughey as the man in black in the Dark Tower movie. Right. I didn't love what was in the movie and what he was doing in the movie, or what, right. he, what he was given to do in the movie. Right. I think he would be a fucking cool-ass Randall flag. I really do. And it's arguably the same character. Right. It's the same character, right? I think a Matthew McConaughey Randall flag would be badass, especially after True Detective and yeah. the stuff that he's been doing lately. The reconnaissance. The reconnaissance. I think that would be badass. Lloyd is a tricky one. Miguel Ferrar is... Very good in that role. And Miguel Ferrar is dead. <laughs> so I'm just like, nobody should be it. But um, I think Ian Summerholder would actually be pretty good. I, I sort of, yeah, I think it's funny that you didn't cast Ian Summerholder as Nick Andros. That, there was a very funny bit of that. I could that, see that, but I'd still prefer right. to give that role. No, I understand. It's I'm I'm recalling a very funny interview that uh, Rob Lowe gave, mm. where he talked about because he's so 
pretty. And he talked it's about you know, so goddamn the pretty. affliction of being pretty, and he <laughs> told the interview it's something that only I and Ian Summer Hall to understand. They are because beautiful they look men, also. and they do look like <laughs> I think it's even funnier like. because it sort of hinted at his his. Uh, well, not his actual, but like a kind of a comic narcissism that he, the yeah. only other person he thinks is beautiful enough to understand him is the person who essentially looks like him. Yeah. Which is pretty funny. They've cast Nat Wolf, who's younger um, than the Lloyd that Miguel played. Mm-hmm. And as several people in several of my groups are like, he's not even the better Wolf brother. And mm. I think that that's harsh. I like both of them. Uh, so I think that that should act, could actually be really interesting and good. But yeah, I would have liked to maybe see an Ian, Ian Somerhalder. And Harold Lauder is the other thing that I want to talk about, and specifically in terms of book to uh-huh. TV adaptation or book to film adaptation. Harold Lauder in the book is explicitly overweight. Right. And for all of the other attributes that we feel putting on screen is fine. Body size is a thing that fluctuates so rarely from what you see. You see sample-sized people across the board. And so I want an overweight character. Even if he's a bad guy, maybe because he's overweight. It's not ideal. I get it. But it's the only visibility that we're going to see for somebody who's overweight, and they made him. I, he was played by Corin Nemec in the in the miniseries in the '94 miniseries, and they basically replaced fat with acne. And it was like they're not the same. Thing. I mean, yeah, no, right. they're not. And so I want to see a fat actor. I want to see an overweight One character. One of the great I don't like irritations the term I have is. About a show I actually really liked, Sherlock. Yeah. Was the notion that you had a skinny oh, Mycroft. Oh, yeah. Mycroft, Mycroft was notoriously tall. fat. Yes. And so is, I mean. Because we can't, it's like, it's, a, it's still <laughs> a thing where they will not put fat people on screen. Right. It's and so hard. So there's, there's very few characters who get to carry being the center. I mean, because Mycroft, the joke is that. Holmes is very tall and very lean, and Mycroft is very tall and very heavy set. Mm-hmm. And the two of them are equally intelligent and they're constantly trading barbs with each other. Right. And so. That stays. Yeah. But, and Sherlock constantly is making fun of him for being fat. Right. The lines are there. Right. But the context is not. Yeah, and it was, it was just, it was like uh, going to a performance once of uh, Henry V and seeing a. Uh, a not fat enough Falstaff. I'm like, no, his character is fat and jolly. And to think that when Orson Welles did Falstaff, he actually put padding on to be even bigger. And yeah. that was kind of, that's what you want out of that character. To me, I like seeing fat people in movies. I, I once, uh, Julius Caesar's thing about large, round men, he wants them, he doesn't want them lean and hungry and ambitious. He wants them happy. <laughs> yeah. And I think that there's, there's, we take away Nero Wolf, we take away Mycroft Holmes, we take away all these other depictions of fat men in particular, in this case. And, you know, we tend to associate fat with being slovenly or yeah. being, and I would like to offer Samo Hung. Right. As a fat guy, you never want to mess with them. Yeah. 
No, married it's to just, married to a beauty queen. I mean, things, there are so. six fat guys that get to be on TV, right. and that's and two fat women. Right. That's it. That's that's who we get. Yeah, and it's like it's deeply upsetting to me. Right. So, and this time they've cast Owen Teague, who played Hofstetter in the It movies, uh-huh. a deeply thin man. He is right. a skinny man. Yeah. So once again, they've ignored yeah the fatness. And I would actually like to see somebody like, um, I, I thought maybe Jacob Babylon, mm-hmm. uh, who is the sidekick, the guy in the chair in Spider-Man. Right. He's also in a new Netflix rom-com that I'm very much looking forward to. But he's only, I've only ever seen him play like Jolly. Right. And I'm like, give the fat guy a job that's not just being jolly. Like, I think that that would be a cool way to go. But I would like to see a fat actor in that role rather than a skinny actor. That's, I mean, I'm not going to. (laughs) So here we are. And then, you know, I have Kristen Ritter down for Julie. She could maybe do Nadine. Laura Sangiacomo's line readings as Nadine are so iconic in my head that I'm like, I don't even, I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I think that <laughs> there were, like the, the television it, there was some perfect casting at times. Not all of it was a hit, but when they hit, they hit really well. Yeah. And I, I, and I think that also something that you might be too young to remember is that this was a real comeback for Rob Lowe. Oh, yes. Because it was after was the sex the, the, tape The ridiculous inflated sex scandal, yes. really. Yeah. I mean, the part that he's not... No, and he is uh, great. I like yeah. Rob Lowe a lot. Like, as a person, Yeah. that show that he did with his sons where they were just, like, looking at paranormal shit, awesome. Well, that was funny. Awesome. He was just a big He seems... Like, first of all, I don't... He definitely doesn't understand how regular humans work. Uh-huh. Like, he doesn't understand how uh-huh. regular humans live their lives. Uh, he's been too famous for too long. And that's right. fine, because I think he understands that he doesn't understand how humans work. Uh, and sort of is, like, intrigued by, like, oh. <laughs> so, I'll, I don't know. And I'll he seems... Tell you what I started to like him. Not bad. I used to have a job painting apartments uh, at an apartment complex. I would go in, and every time a unit turned over, I had to paint it. Mm. So I spent a lot of time by myself listening to the local radio. I was listening to KGO in San Francisco, and there was an interviewer. The, the interviewer on this talk show would give sometimes as much as 10 or 20 minutes to a guy who called in with conspiracy theories. Now, this is years ago mm-hmm. before conspiracy theories became political ideologies. So the, this host, I think, I can't remember his name, would let this guy... We're going to invite him on once a month. We'll just let him rant on for 10 minutes because he's a good conversation starter on a slow day. Okay. So he would do this, and there came this bizarre theory that somehow involved Stephen King with the assassination of JFK or the Illuminati. I don't remember exactly. Was it when he wrote 112263? But this was, yeah, a number of years ago before any of that. Maybe that's why Stephen King wrote that book. Maybe. But um, there was all sorts of bizarre stuff bouncing around this guy's head, and People are calling to respond to it either, oh, that guy's so crazy, that, you know, whatever, or, hey, there's a thread of truth to that. Right. And then, out of nowhere, Rob Lowe calls into this station in San Francisco. Oh, I think you did tell me this. Okay, yeah. And he staunchly defends Stephen King. He's like, 
He's a great guy. We went to church with his family. He's the most normal guy on earth. I will just ride yeah. and die for this That's guy. That's awesome. That he knew from work, basically. Right. But he just was not going to let anyone badmouth Stephen King. That's awesome. And it was a really neat moment because I'm like, oh, you know, I never really thought much about Rob Lowe. But the idea that he was such a stand-up guy, it's like, yeah. no, I'm not going to let anybody talk shit about him because this is a great guy. Yeah, and I also, I think... Right. Yeah, he, as much as he does, like, sort of doesn't live in the same world that you and I live in, he also understands about himself. He's like, no, nobody looks like this. Like, I am blessed because of the way that I look. I am, and I can make fun of it. Like, I'm, I I don't fucking take myself super seriously. Yeah, and I will sort of spread that around, right? Like... Spread my good luck around. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I, I enjoy Rob Lowe. I'm not going to lie. So, a couple more things about the new stand that okay. we'll talk about. Um, James Marsden is playing Stu. I think that's a good choice, especially after what he's been doing in, I want to call it Deadwood with Robots. Oh, um... <laughs> <laughs> is that a show coming back? Yes, eventually, but they had to rebuild all the right, sets, so it's going to be everything. a while. Oh, that's a pity. Yeah, and hopefully these new fires don't take them back out. Um, what's the name of that show? Westworld. Yes. And they have a black actor as Larry, uh-huh. uh, which is a nice change. Right. Uh, Amber Heard is playing Nadine. Oh, okay. So that should be interesting. I have never seen her act i did see aquaman i wouldn't call what was happening with her oh, acting i you know she's really lovely. but i don't think that's her fault she's really lovely <laughs> um her performance reminds me of the gods in clash of the titans when they were shooting that movie there were Lawrence olivier and ursula andres mm-hmm. and maggie smith and mm-hmm. claire bloom were all playing gods okay. so they couldn't be any. There couldn't be any wrinkles in their costumes. And this oh, was it was very. So they literally had them on tilting boards oh, and God. then cart them out to the set yeah. on like a hand cart and set them down so they could stay there. That's lines. pretty similar to her situation, right. actually. And given in Aquaman, the, her costume yeah. is so skin tight that she looks like she's physically in pain, barely able to move. And there's just close-ups of her face, so that I, I suppose that she's you know not having to wear the full costume all the time because. I can't imagine how she had to be fit into that. But there was close-ups, and then there was long shots of her running, and her doubles running. And yeah. Like, it just felt painful. There's a lot of wig work. There's it, a lot of her not in this movie. Yeah. This is a costume act. Not a, right, yeah. So I, I'm i happy to see her act. I yeah. have not. I don't feel like I have seen that yet. Daniel Sanjata is an actor I really like, and he's going to be in it as a character that I don't recall named Cobb. Um. Glenn Bateman, who was played by yeah. Ray Walston. Okay, yeah, I liked him. My favorite Martian. Is being is being played in the new one the by movie. Greg Kinnear, okay. who is way younger. Yeah. I unless know. they're gonna age him up, which I'm fine with well, that. He's know, a retired maybe, teacher. We remember that he's we remember him as way younger, but the last thing I saw him in was years ago. So I don't know what he looks like now. And I'm no, sure but they he was still born in 1963. So he's right. not an old man by any stretch of the imagination. Um, 
and we have Alexander Skarsgård as Randall Flagg. That's I'm funny. intrigued. That's funny. I'm intrigued. Another thing that has been announced, but he hasn't got a credit yet, is Marilyn Manson, and I'm wondering if they're going to have him be Trash Can Man. That would be interesting. I think it would work. Uh, I think that not Ed Harris, mm. Matt Frewer, who in my life I will always get confused with Ed Harris. I'm sorry, I'm not proud of it. It's just what happened. Um, Matt Frewer is really doing the most as Trash Can Man and the other one. Um, and I think that would be a really interesting sort of bit of stunt casting for uh, Marilyn Manson. He's been announced, but right. no, there's no part for him. Okay. He doesn't have um, a and credit. Matt, Matt Frewer and, and Dwight Schultz are the same guy to me. I, I can't tell them apart most of the time. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, no, I just, it's for me. He played, uh, Matt Frewer played a, a Sherlock Holmes once. Yes. It was so absurdly twitchy. He just did not know how to contain it. And it it was self-defeating. It's like, no. I wonder if he has some sort of tick disorder. Um, <laughs> I don't know if he actually does, but he certainly plays he into that. He plays into that in a lot of the things. Right. Like, I don't think I've ever seen him in anything where he just, quote-unquote, played it straight. Right. So I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. So that's that. We've done it. Yes, we have. A hundred episodes. A hundred episodes, guys. Thank you for listening. Next week, we're going to dive into The Stand, the, the stand. 1994 miniseries, because uh, we can't just go to Vancouver and watch it live. Nope. They're being, like, residents are being warned because there are, like, dead bodies strewn everywhere. I can understand <laughs> that. I remember once walking down... Uh, a street trying to get to my bus stop in downtown Oakland in the middle of the night and hearing gunfire going off everywhere and being a little freaked out like something was going on. And it turns out I had walked very close to the set for Nash Bridges <laughs> and that was shooting in, you know, in San Francisco and in the Bay Area. And so suddenly you're hearing gunfire and things like that. And then you walk into a film set. So, Yeah. Yes, exactly. So they're getting warned all over Vancouver that these are not... Crime scenes, yeah. everything's okay. So we're going to watch The Stand starting next week. We're going to watch part one. We're going to do it as God intended, one episode at a time. If we screwed up with some casting or if you think yes, of something. Yes, please let us know. Let us know. Share it on the Facebook page. We're at Latecomers Podcast on Facebook. Or you can tweet at us at Latecomers Pod. Or you could email latecomerspod at gmail.com. Uh, next week, episode 101. Wow. We still have like 50 more Stephen King episodes. <laughs> and there will be more by the time we're done. And yes, they and keep I just noticed that we're watching um, in the tall grass going, oh, that's, yeah, that's We're going to be talking about that in a year. We'll catch up with that. <laughs> we'll have Dr. Sleep tacked onto the end and yes. probably this new stand. So here we are. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I remind you to take your medicine and we remind you... Better, Better late, late than, than never. never.